0: Good morning, everybody. Today, Hashem, we'll get to, and maybe even finish, or get close to finishing, Daf Vav and Moseches But we start in Dalid, Amad Aleph, four lines up. Let's finish up to the Mishnah real quick. We had a difficulty. It says, Ravina Mishmei Rabba Amar, Kula here. had a fascinating shita, which was that a, it is true that Ashur Tam pays Nezek and Ashur Muad pays Nezek Shalem. But all of that is not entirely a rishus independent, which is to say, if a short Tom happens to also, not only gore, but trespass into someone else's rishus, so then he'll pay nezek shalim in that context. In that. So that's, that's the chiddush of Rabbi Tarfan. So we had, right, um, a question of the b'risa, was it a reflection of Rabbi Tarfan or the Rabbanan, who hold that it's completely, that the, the tam in the muad uh, Hatin Ezek and Shalom is completely rishus independent. And so we said, it could be that the entire, um, Brysa is representative of Shita Rabbi Tafran and my Lola Ze, Lola Ze. So then, in the case that we were learning yesterday of the Brysa, was when we had a case where, um, we explained it means that the injury happened not in Barry's or Andrew's field, but rather in Phil's. It says, Lola Ze, Lola Ze, Laperos, Ela, the Chad, Lola Ze, Leshvarim. Right? Which is to say, that the place was really a garden. It was used, right, um, for, um, for just produce, right? It was not designated for either one of them to be able to have any of their, you know, oxen, right, trample in there, right? Uh, but for one, but it was designated for the actual shvarim that they, they did allow uh, for. So, Right? It's not designated for produce, right? Um, but it is designated, in this case, rather for oxen. That's what it was. Right? So the halacha would be consistent with the rabbi Tawfim, right? The Because again, shane it would be considered the, the rishus of the nizaks. Because again, he can only use it for produce. And karen, rishus a rabbin. But regard to karen, right? Since both, um, right, Barry and Andrew have permission to have their ox there, then even Rabbi Tarfan would agree that you only pay half a chatzinezek uh, because, after all, in a situation where, and again, this is what's, what we set up yesterday, just to finish off um, the thought, that you can actually designate a place. So again, when you have a partnership, let's say, with, between Barry and Andrew um, in a chatzer so, as we know, when damages have to take place, it has to be a chatzer that belongs to someone else, so to speak. But you could actually break it down in your own contract between Barry and Andrew, where they say, you know what, this is just going to be an Airbnb. This is just going to be a garden. So, if that's the case, so then with respect to shvarim, as we explained yesterday, the uh, shore would really be not considered owned, so to speak, by Andrew, so let's say Andrew's shore is the shore that causes the damage. It's as if Andrew doesn't uh, own, it's as if, right, the shore is going into a chatzar that is not owned by Andrew. Because even though Andrew technically owns the chatzar, he does not have the authority, according to his contract with Barry, to bring his shore there. So then when the shore does the damage, Andrew would, in fact, be chayev. According to Rebitar for would be chayev nezek shalem, right? However, if they had a contract, then that's the point that we're making over here, if they had in their contract that you are allowed to bring your shore, this is the point that's bringing now, so then when Andrew does bring said shore to the place, um, and then the shore, as Andrew's shore does, ends up wreaking havoc and eating all the veggies and doing all of that, um, and also goring. So that would still be considered a Chati Nezik versus Nezik Shalom, because at this point, Andrew's shore was a Tom. And since Andrew's contract with Barry allowed him to bring his shore, it is not considered stayacher, and therefore it would not, even Rabbi Tarfun would have to agree, right, that there would be the, the, the distinction between a Tom and a was referred, to, uh, with reference to uh, this particular case, because the shore was not Consider trespassing. It is therefore not stayacher. It would be as if it was an Ereshis or Rabim. And therefore, if he were as a Tom, then Andrew would pay Chati Nezek. If it was a Moor, he would pay Nezek Shalim. The Gemara then just says, If you're really going to say that this case... It's a case where both Andrew and Barry had a right to bring the shore. And therefore, it's considered as if it's a Rosh Hashir Rabim. And therefore, all you have to know is that it's the same exact case where you're bringing a Chatzin Ezek and Ezek Shalem. So then why did we say Arba? You might recall that we said that there's four fundamental rules in the B'risa of Nezikin with regards to the Tam and the Muad. And all we're doing, if it's in fact a shared Chatzar that they both can bring their shore into, is repeating the same halacha. Right? So it says, Then we're really just repeating the principle again. There's three principles, one of which is repeated twice. So i of by Yitzchak. He was our valedictorian of Pesachim, and here he is again, finishing us off, bringing it to the Mishnah. It is, in fact, three principles, but it has four applications, and therefore it is treated like four principles, but really it's three fundamental principles with four like test cases. Good. Okay. Mm-hmm. Guys, we're doing the fundamentals as we finally arrive at Daladim and Bays and soon to Vav, God willing and beyond. We're doing the fundamentals of Nezikin here, so it's a real schuz to have you all here. Because just like we just had a Bryce over here with four main principles, now we're going to have a Mishnah with principles of Nazikin. The Mishnah, however, if I were to just read it straight, it reads like Mishle or like the or like the riddle of the Sphinx. Because each word you might understand on its own. Together, they make no sense whatsoever. So here we go. It says the Gemara. And then, and then the Gemara will explain it. So it says the Mishnah, rather. Shum kesef, payment, is monetary. Shove kesef, money, worth money. Bifnei beizdin, in front of a beizdin. Ve'alpi edim, and in front of edim, by the testimony of witnesses. Bnei horin, who are free, men, as opposed to slaves. Bnei bris, right, members of the Bnei brith or also otherwise known as Jews, Vehanashim bichlal hanezek, and women also are involved in the laws of nezek. and both the nizek and the mazek are involved in Tashlumin. Right. So unlike some Mishnais that read like an actual Hebrew sentence that tells you something, this one is more like headings, topic headings. Okay. What is the topic heading of this? It's basically explaining and outlining. And so we're fortunate here, in fact, to be learning yedatem Bez, outlining all the cases where you'd have to be uh, liable for paying the Zikin. Another yeah. way of saying it, Phil, is that we're talking about Niskei Mammon, right? And, and and I brought this up actually yesterday, and it's going to come to a head today, Andrew. There, Niskei Mammon is not viewed uh, by, by Chazal as obvious. In other words, it's not viewed as obvious that if one shore gores another shore that there's any payment whatsoever right clearly if somebody goes ahead and physically directly damages somebody else's thing so they have to fix it and shomrim is a whole other thing if somebody is entrusted with guarding something so we mentioned this yesterday right if barry is entrusted with with guarding andrew's thing and andrew's thing gets destroyed so if by, by barry's shore Right, if if Andrew's shore that Barry's watching gets destroyed by Barry's shore, so then Barry could say, so as a showmare Barry has to pay him entirely for the shore. But the whole idea of niskei mamon, where there's a Tom that has a chatzin and a muad has a Nezek shalem, has elements of maybe you don't have to pay altogether. And so this mishnah outlines all the contexts. Where you may or may not have to pay. So it's not exactly obvious that you make the restitution, and therefore it is only in these specific cases that the mission is outlining where you pay for Niske Mamon. As follows, says the Gemara, My Shum Kesef. What do you mean by a monetary assessment? These first words in the mission. Says the Gemara, Yuda, Shum that when we assess how much should be paid for Niskei Mamon, it should be only on the basis on the amount of money that was lost. So Andrew's uh, shore got you know, gored and, it's a, and, and mauled. So we have to s- assess what was the monetary loss. Tanino, And that is what we learned in the following brysa, explicitly, as follows. Parashizikatalis, para. So let's say, so again, you might have thought that this thing is more, it's not exactly, like I said, restitution, which is to say, let's say uh, Andrews Shore, who's notorious, destroys someone's suit. Or somehow, uh, Andrew Shore went out into the field and there was a clothesline, and it got clotheslined and choked out by someone else's Talus, right? Ain't no one takes a pirate before. We're not gonna say that the restitution is gonna be like pure barter. Like, okay, if the Talus is what killed the, the Shore, so then just give Andrew the Talus, and that will be his compensation. Or if or if the Shore destroyed someone's Talus, we're not gonna say, oh, sorry about your Talus, here's, here's Andrew Shore's compensation. That seems ridiculous to us, that we would even have a Havamina, but the point is, because this is not direct restitution, maybe you would in fact have that Havamina, right? right? This is what we would have thought, right? So and we just, we figure out how much was the damage, what's the monetary value of the damage sustained by the loss of the talus or the shore. and based off of that, that's how we determine the monetary value that has to be restored to the person. The point that I'm making, Barry, is that the very fact that we have a Havamina that we would pay for a lost shore with a talis, or a lost talis with a shore, shows you that this isn't really restitution. So it's almost like masquerading as restitution, in the sense that you evaluate how much was lost, and then that's how we pay back. We're going to see this more directly uh, when we get to Teshvav. There is an actual machlokas, whether when a person pays Nezek for a shore muah, the gors, is that considered a knas or mamon. That's where we really address this head on. Knas means like half empty or half full, right? Is the chatzinezek really that you don't own anything, owe anything at all, but you have to pay the mamon like as a knas? Or does it mean, right, that you really owe the money, but the Nezik is some sort of modification of the monetary payment. So be that as it may, we pay based off of the monetary damage that we caused, fine. So that's the first clause where it says shum kesef, you evaluate based on monetary loss. Next thing, shavak kesef, what does this mean? the Tanor rather Shava on that typically when a, when a case goes to Besdin and Andrew and Barry as they've been in Besdin for so many years now um, they have when if someone gets awarded right their monetary compensation you're going to involve what's the real estate as we've said right Besdin when it says okay fine Andrew go pay Barry. They can only enforce it on real estate. Based in Goven Um when if Barry um, sort of jumped the gun and went and seized some of Andrew's metalin as payment for him, right? Then the then the Bezdin will collect from them. What does it mean to collect from them? The Gemara is going to explain what that means in a second. Okay, but basically, uh, when it says shavak kesef, in that case, it's referring to. Real estate. So wait a minute. The Gemara says, Wait a minute. Are you trying to say in the B'risa that Shava Kesef means real estate? Uh, how? How does it mean real estate? Which part of the word Shava Kesef sounds like it means real estate? Shava Kesef doesn't say mean real estate. It means monetary value. Usually when we say Shava Kesef, when we learn Masechah's Kiddushin, it meant like something that has the same value. So, so what does it mean? Says the Gemara, It means something that's worth any amount of money. Oh, okay. So that's how the phrase Shavakesif is referring to real estate. Again, what the Gemara is saying is that when the Mishnah says Shavakesif, it means that when Beznan enforces the halacha, it can only enforce the payment with real estate. And how is that? As Rashi says, In other words, that Usually, this is what Rashi is quoting Baba Mitsia and Dafnun Vav, and he's saying, usually you're not allowed to have ona. Oh. So that's what it means. Okay, so watch this. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but if you lend actually metal to them or money, you're not allowed to charge interest. That's called ona. Right? It's not more than a sixth in any direction. We've got to keep it fair, Phil. Okay. That's true. But real estate is different. There's no such thing by real estate, because real estate is worth whatever the market will bear. And there is no such thing as right interest, so to speak, meaning a non-interest. What, what is it? Ribbis, ribbis. I, 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 oh no, right. There is no such thing as ribbis. In other words, there is no such thing as selling something above its market value. I that's didn't so mean much. interest. What? That's oh no. That's oh yeah. no. Yes. So, so that's what I meant. Thank you. So my, my point is, when you sell and buy matotelin, we got kosher money. Thank God for Andrew here, so we can understand. When you sell and buy matotelin, you can't buy it right, for something that's more than one-sixth of a disparity from its market value. That is true of everything except for what? Real estate. Real estate, is, the market value is whatever the market will bear. How much is my house worth? I don't know. Let's put it on the market and see how much it's worth. Okay, So that is how Shavikesef is referring to real estate because it's something that is worth whatever people will pay for it. Okay, that's what Rachi is saying, that it's not subject to no null according to what and involved and that's what Raba is saying and Ula is saying. Fine. Gamar asks, really? Mind you. Is it true that real estate is worth whatever the market will bear? In other words, if you're gonna say that means anything that the market will bear, you should know that that's also true of slaves. How much is this slave worth? Well, let's see what the market will bear. And also legal documents. Also, the Shtaros here is referring to things like if you, if you write a promissory note, if you're, sending, if you're selling someone's, whatever, you're selling someone's life insurance policy. So again, it's what the market will bear. There's no specific amount because it's really not a specific value. It's whatever somebody is willing to pay for it, okay? So what's the issue? The issue is that when it says kesef, it's not necessarily saying real estate. Maybe you could also take off Valdema's as payment. So therefore, El-Hammar Rabbi Barula has to suggest another explanation, Dvar Hanik Nebekasif. No, it's Niknibakesef. It means without a a Kinyan. When you buy metaltalin, you have to actually like do a mice a right? But the the actual kinian the actual transference of money constitutes a kinian when it comes to karkas. It's in that way that it's referring to real estate. Oh. So the uh, Gemara, that didn't really help, because of other Meshtar's time niknibikes, because that's how you're also Kona and evit, right? So shava kesef Velo Kesef. Something that's worth money. But it's not in itself money. But all these other things, slaves, shtaros, they're all technically like money because they're a value that you can move around. The only thing that's not exactly like money, so that's the common denominator, that money actually can move around. And slaves and, and staros can be moved around, right? Mm-hmm. Do commerce with it. But real estate is the only thing that is not like money in that sense, in the sense that it's stationary, and yet it's worth money. And it is in that way that the, the Rashi says, the phrase shavakesef is referring to real estate, not to Metathalon. Again, all we're trying to figure out here is um, how does shavakesef allude to the halacha, which is the principle that we know, that when a bezin enforces, right, a monetary payment for Nizikin, again, this is all with Nizkei Mamon, when bezin enforces a monetary payment of Nizkei Mamon, that payment has to be with karka, with real estate, and that comes from the phrase shavakesef. Good. Okay. Now the, now the Gemara wants to know, is that really the halacha? After all, didn't we learn that you could even pay with subin? Do you remember this, Barry? That you could even pay with brand. You could pay with anything that, is, that, that has value for nazikin? So is our Mishnah's halacha even really true? That's what the Gemara now asks. Rami, lei, la ravuna he asked the following question: The Brysa kesef, said Shavu business in the Chasam Sheshimach We just said that the Mishnah when it says kesef is saying that you can only pay back with real estate. VeHatanya Yashiv. Remember the phrase Yashiv? Yashiv meant you can pay with anything. The Rabbis Shavu Kessif Subin. Right? We already learned this Baisa. We say you can collect any amount of money. You don't have to put uh, in any form. It doesn't. Even, it can be brand. It doesn't have to be real estate. So I So the question is, how do you reconcile that Brysa with our explanation of this Mishnah? So would be yasme, ooh. that the brysa, That's now we're modifying right now we're modifying the BRISA that we learned previously in a way that is so severe, it's, it's so dramatic that that brisa totally changes meaning. that, that brisa was only referring to yosomim. In other words, with because again, from yosomim, you can only collect pre-existing real estate liens, right? You can't collect metaphyin from yosomim. It doesn't work that way. Right. In other words, the only, really, you're not even supposed to collect from your altogether. These are orphans. You're not supposed to collect it. But if there's a previous lien on a real estate, so that's uh, understood. It's not really the Yosomium that you're collecting it from. I mean, you are, but you're really getting the stuff that was left over from the from the de- from the deceased. Right. So, so that is where it's real estate pro- uh, property. Right. But the collection uh, of general debts can be collected right um, from from a talpelin. So it's really. Our Mishnah, I think, is, is, is where Yisomim with... Um, see, what case do we do? Right. In other words, you can only collect from real estate from Yisomim, right? Uh, so that if, if you're saying that our mission is only talking about Karka, it should be Yisomim. But in every other case, it should be also from, from But Then the question is, Ebyasmi, Ema wait a minute, if that Brisa... Right, was talking about yisomim, and saying and, and that was the context of the Bryce where you say you can only collect from metaltalin, so what 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 are you gonna say about the hemshech, the continuation, says the Gamar, asked me sefa, you them these are right? Because remember, we just quoted the Bryce, and the Bryce says that if you went ahead and you took metaltilin, that's the braiser that we just quoted. And so even though when the when the court uh, ruled, they only could rule by Karka, if you went ahead and collected in the form of Metaltolin, like Barry jumped the gun, then Beis in Lomahem, and the court's going to collect it from them. But Ibi Yosmi Amai Beis in Lomahem, but Bryce is dealing with Yosomim, why is the court going to collect? The, the idea is, they shouldn't collect on his behalf, right, because after all you cannot collect, right, uh, e- even a creditor can't collect Metaltolin from Yosomim. So the Gemara answer is, No. What happened is, while the debtor was still alive, that's when the creditor seized the property. In other words, the question is, so, so what was the sequence of events, Barry? You seized the property, uh, not from Andrew, because but you seized the property for some dude, right? And then after you, while he was still alive, then after you seized the property from said dude, that's when the dude passed away. Now the bezin has to decide whether they're going to take it back on behalf of the Yisomin, when they're not going to do that because you seized it in Mechaim. That's the point, right? So So that could be the ruling at the end of the Bresa where, he, where the property was seized seized while the creditor was still alive. And it's for that reason. But it, but it is true, in that you would not take, right, the metaltalin the from the Yisomin once the creditor was deceased. Very good. The third phrase of the Mishnah. High Line lines up from the bottom, two dots. Bifnei Bezdin. Okay, what does this mean? Again, Niskei Mamon, the court can only collect from real estate Bifnei Bezdin. Okay? And that means that said real estate, when they're collecting, so here we're going to go back to Andrew's shore wreaking havoc. People are collecting money from his real estate. He has to own that real estate. What if what if Andrew's Mafki of the real estate, right? Then... And, and when, when you go to court. So obviously, or he sells it. Like, so can you still go and uh, treat it like the kuchos and go and get that real estate that he relinquished? Let's see. It says, Yeah. That's what our mission is ex- excluding. In other words, the mission is saying that the Bezin has the authority to go and collect Andrew's real estate as payment for the damage he did to Barry. But That's only if Andrew still owns the real estate. If Andrew sold it to Phil or donated it to Shara Zion, so then... And then goes to Bezdin, so then we can't seize said real estate in order to pay Barry back. It's not gonna work. Says the Gemara, Shmamina, Lava, so, okay, the Gemara says, is that really true? Because Shmamina, Lava, Machar, and Chas of Bezdin, and Bezdin, Are you gonna say that if, let's say, Andrew again, he borrowed money and then sold all of his properties? Shmamina, says the Rashi, right, fourth line on from the bottom. Bitmiya by the Avi, Milva, Rashi is already saying the, the question ahead of time. This is, this is, this is the classic case of lacujos We always know this, Barry. Whenever somebody borrows money, right, and uh, they know, and, and, there's all, and there's real estate involved, we know that the real estate sales can always be sealed, by, uh, could always be seized, right, but that's called lacujos It's a classic case of lacujos that Alova can go and, and, and uh, get it from the real estate um, when, that real estate deal, right, was done after the, the loan was done. So again, if Andrew has a debt, right, and then he sells off his real estate, right, and then the debt comes due, the person who's collecting the debt can always be go from the real estate that Andrew that Andrew sold, because that's how it works. When you buy real estate, you know that that real estate, you're one of the lacujos. You know that that real estate may be taken from you if it needed to be satisfying a debt of the person that you bought it from. That's the classic lakujos. So what are you talking about? You're gonna tell me that if Andrew borrowed money, and then this is again. That if Andrew borrowed money and then sold off his real estate and then needed to go to Bezdin and pay off something that ain't Bezin Goven lomem that we're not going to collect. That's classic lekuchos, says Rashi. What are you talking about? Of course we would take his real estate. So the Gemara says, no, you're right. That, that, that can't be what it means. It doesn't. It means a totally different thing. If Nei Bezin does not mean at all that Andrew owns the real estate when he comes to court, it means a totally different thing. Rather, it means Bezin had yotot. that unlike when we sit around and do Hataras Nadarim and Shul, and make like an ad hoc uh, kangaroo court, right, and it's not really, really Bezdin, right, that's good enough for Hataras Nadarim, but it's not good enough for nizikin. For nizikin, you need a real mumcha. you got to go to the main Bezdin, like a real Bezdin, with real Tamira HaChachamim, okay, that, so that's the that's what it means when it says Bifnei Bezdin, good. Okay, next thing, Alpi Edim, Pratna so it has to be on the, uh, on the testimony of witnesses, which means, wow. Okay, here we go. What if uh, a person is moda knas? Okay, we're going to see what this knas is exactly. Uh, and then, edem come shu, We're going to say that whenever the payment is a knas, let's assume for a second, let's distill let's that out. Let's assume for a second that whatever payment you are agreeing to is a knas. So normally a mod of knas is potter. If a person agrees to knas, he doesn't have to pay. Okay. So let's say Andrew is moded to the knas, and then the aid him come, and they, say, and they say that he was guilty, so then of course he's going to be putter. That person is putter because of the simple principle that a mod be knas is always putter. Right? Even if Adem afterwards come and they say, you know, that uh, uh, th- they came too late, right? If they came to testify against Andrew, they came too late. Andrew already admitted to it. He's a stand-up guy. And therefore, Andrew's going to be Pater, so long as the payment is going to be a, a knas. So says the Gemara, wait a minute. This very question of whether a person preempts the Adem by being Moda knas. Uh, and, and that moda b'knas would still apply and Andrew be potter. that issue in itself is a mechlokas. That issue is controversial. So I can understand that that's what our mission is saying if you're going to say that we hold like that, that a moda b'knas is putter even if Edom come afterwards. What are you going to say according to the opinion that a moda b'knas is not going to be able to get off if Edom come afterwards? So then that would be inconsistent with our mission. What are you going to say? It says in the Gemara, at the end of the Mishnah. So if you're going to say that, so really what it means is that the, the continuation of the Mishnah, of Bnei of Bnei Bnei Bris, that's the part that the Mishnah is trying to say, which is to say that witnesses, it's not really talking about, right, the Moda beknas aspect of it, but the Mishnah, again, it's cryptic. So when the Mishnah says, V'alpi Adim, Bnei Choram, Bnei Bris, you read it totally different. In other words, Alpi Adim isn't teaching us anything specific about Moda beknas and Adim coming or anything like that. It is just. You have to read the mission differently. You read the words together. It says, Oh, that when the Adim come, they have to be Jews and B'nai Bris. So it's really just modifying Bnechor and B'ris. It has nothing to do with Moda B'knas at all. Okay? What does that mean? It means that witnesses uh, have to be, right, a, actual uh, Jews who are not Avadim. Bnechorn Bris. As the Gemara continues to say in Tesvah, B'nai L is to exclude Avadim, okay that Avadim cannot be Edim, and bnei B'ris, lamute Obdei kachavim, And bnei B'ris, Jews, is lamute right, star worshippers, Utsvicha. And you need to learn both, that in order to, to be an aid for this, you, ha, you, cannot, you have to be a Jewish free man, why? Diyash being an Eved, because if we had only learned that you have to be, a, a, that you can't be an Eved, Mishum Dei Enlo Yachas. That's because Avadim have no lineage, that's true, their children are not even considered their children, uh, halachically. okay? Of Nachrim, the a Nachrim, as Rashi points out, they have this. This is a concept of incest by Nachrim, and an Eved Kenani, um, uh, as we know, right? Their children, uh, we split them up. This is very not PC, but like for example, the prohibition of cursing your father would not apply. Let's say to an Eved Kenani, okay? Because th- that's not even considered li- lineage, right? As Rashi says, we said over there in Parakavay and Vipta, because we learned in Vambas, that. Shvupo im hachamor, recent, recent parshios, am hachamor, those were Avram and Vinu im hachamor, am hachamor, which is to say, just like animals, you don't have yichus, like they know that, the, that technically, right, one animal is parented by another, but that doesn't mean that they consider it their actual dad, right, similarly here, so it is for that reason that you're going to say, of course they can't be them because they don't even have any lineage. But maybe a Gentile, despite the fact that they're not part of the neighborhood, they, they still have some aspect of family and therefore you're going to say that they can be witnesses. Okay. Now so what does that have to do with, with, um, with witnesses? So it just has to do with how, how seriously do you take, right, this person... Uh, in general, and take their word for it. But when it comes to the nachri, they don't have any mitzvahs. Nebuchadnezzar has to keep the mitzvahs of their right, the, their household, where they're working, so aim alone. So there we say also that they may not serve as wisdom. So you have to learn that even though both of them have what we would call, for lack of a better word, redeeming values, one has the concept of yichus, and therefore that's pretty chashev, the other one has the concept of mitzvahs, and therefore that's chashev enough, maybe. The answer is, right, it's not good enough to count them as edim. Okay, what it has to do with edim is not, you know, directly clear, but that is, that is the question um, with respect to, really, uh, really. There's, there's a little bit of a hock here in the Mifarsham, because this is to this be is, this is true of witnesses in general. Like we generally don't, and when we have a Bezdin, we're not allowing these kinds of witnesses in general. So, and our mission is really just talking about fundamentals of hilchos Nezikin. So why we have to learn that again for hilchos Nezikin is another question, but perhaps to that you would say, Barry, that again, when it comes to hilchos Nezikin, the laws obviously are different. Niske Mamon have its own set of laws, and it's almost like, and we were learning this with Birnbaum last night, it's like we're relearning how to walk, right? Like we're relearning halachas that are already obvious to us, right, so to speak, and in call it in tarakula. but we're learning them in the context of Niske-Mamon again. And a lot of them apply, but again, it underscores the fact that Niske-Mamon have their own set of laws, many of them reflecting the laws that we have with everything else, but not necessarily, but we have to relearn them because it's, uh, even though it's reflecting, it can be different in some ways. So, next, vihanash and vihalanetseks. This is another great, great example. Women are included in, in, in this moment. Yeah. In other words, there's a havamina, again, that if a woman's shore gores, that there's no payment at all. Or if a woman's shore gets gored, nobody has to pay her. That's the havamina. So, again, this is unlike anything else that we're actually used to in civil law and anything else. That's the gmah, So, the literally is like relearning how to walk. How do you know that women are involved in the zikan at all? This is a classic pasuk that we learned. We learned it in Pesach. we learned it in Kiddush. we learned it in Yuvamis, we learned it in Sukkah. This pasuk says, Right? In other words, when it comes to, right, Onshin or anything, the Torah applies to men and to women. It's a very fundamental idea. So, of course, Nezikin should also apply to men and to women. Basically, see, Phil, I, I know I'm beating a dead horse, but here's my point. That the fact that we have to relearn it for Nezikin means like we're, for whatever reason, relearning everything from Nezikin. I don't know why, Andrew, but it's a good thing that children in yeshiva learn Nezikin because they're like relearning everything from scratch over here. Okay? That's one source. We're going to bring a few more possible sources. The of shertasim Yeah. You ever hear of Parshas Mishpatim? Um, so when it says Parshas Mishpatim, and we know that that's the source of all of these Nezikin Gemaras, so it says, Ela Mishpatim, a tasim that you should put in front of him. Who's them? Ish, is the men and the women. It's all of Klaudisurah. Look around. Look out there. It's all of them. So they are everything applies to all of them, including the Mishpatim that outline all of Hikhlas Nazikin. Okay. Third possible source, the Amar Isha Isha. Ooh. Okay, getting specific. Again, in partial Mishpatim, if a shore kills a man or a woman, well. Now it says specifically, man or male or female, right? And when it comes to anything uh, in the Torah that has to do with killings or Neziken, essentially, the women and the men, it'll apply to both of them. So the Gemara now wants to know, okay, everyone has to chime in with their source. Why do you need all three sources? We get it. Like, women are included in the Zikin. So the Gemara, well, you need all three sources. Because if you only learn the first one, which is the chatas, which is to say that women are involved in mitzvahs. It says, "Hasam Allah." Yeah, that's only there where the Torah, right, took pity when she says when she when she commits a sin, will allow them to have a, an onesh. Why are you allowing? Why is it great to have an onesh? Because that's how you get kapara, right? Kihechi is have the kapara, right there. You want the women to have a kapara. aldin ish in But when it comes to actual commerce laws. So maybe for kapar you'll have the women have kapar, but women—what do they have to do with business? They don't arrange with business, so why should they be involved in zikin at all? Okay, so that's why you have to have the other two sources that from mishpatim to show you that women are also shayach to zikin, that they have some involvement in that. vishmin and dinin, right? ki And if you only learn with monetary laws, right? Then the Torah—why would you say that? Because you need to do it with monetary laws, as Rashi says, ki right? that if you don't include her in dinim, nobody would ever borrow money from her, right? Because after all, she's not involved in any of this dinim and, and none of the denim restitution would apply. So nobody would ever ask her to watch anything, nobody would ever give her anything. In other words, it would ex- exclude women from all commerce. And what if a woman is a single woman and she has to go to work and she has to deal with commerce? She's not gonna be able to live. She needs to be able to make a living. So you have to bring her into the kosher money world and say that those the same rules applies to her. Avaka para isht Isha de lav, bas mitzvah lo. In other words, we have a bar mitzvah and bas mitzvah. You see, is not a thing. Now, what it means here is that a bar mitzvah man has all of this six thirteen, so to speak, and women have, don't have the mitzvah to say she's So, since they don't have the full complement of mitzvahs, maybe you would say, okay, so they're not subject to everything, <coughs> and therefore you, we're learning that yes, of course, kapara. And payment, Nazikin, yes, they're the same. That's why we have to have all three sources. If the Torah only taught us the categories of kapara and monetary laws, I might have said hacham shim kapara shim chiyusa. I would have said, okay, so there kapara you have to have because they deserve to have the kapara. And chiyusa they have to have because they have to make a living. How do we know that women are subject to the killing, um, punishment? Um, so it says, you might say that men who has a responsibility for all mitzvahs. So there, again, what's the case? The case is an owner of an ox that's killed. He has to pay full Kofar, right? That's the problem. He has uh, he has full culpabil- culpability. You might think that if women have less mitzvahs, they have less culpability, right? Ishalo, right? right? And if you only learned Kofar, you might have said that that's only because there's a loss of life. And it is only for that reason that the woman has to be involved in Kofar and and in any other case like commerce, then you wouldn't have to actually include the women into those cases. It is for that reason, right? That you need all three. Right. And But again, like I said, this wouldn't apply to the other two. It would only apply in the case for the loss of life, shawicha. It is for that reason that you need all three categories, whether it's kofar, whether it's misa, whether it's commerce. For all three things, women are treated as men. Equality in that regard. Good. Two dots in the middle of the page. Uh, again, a cryptic statement. that uh, Both the damaged and the damager, they both are participating in the tashlumin payment. How are they participating? So, idma. Well, with regards to that, we said it like this. Palka niska. What are you going to say? Where is the scenario that both the niska and the mazik participate in the payment? Well, chatzinezik. Palka niska is Aramaic for chatzinezik. When is A tam. Andrew Shore. Now notorious, years ago, it was not notorious yet. It was considered a placid shore. When he was a first time offender, he was a Tom, okay? If when he did that first damage, Andrew only paid Hatzinezek. Classic machlokas here, Hatzinezek. Is it really that Andrew owns the payment to Barry? But we say that Barry and Andrew are sharing in the payment because after all, we feel bad for Andrew because it was a first time offense. And how could Andrew have known? That means Mamona. Or or do you say the fact that Andrew has to pay a chatzinezek, is the glass half empty or a glass half full? The fact that Andrew has to pay a does that mean that really Andrew doesn't know Barry nothing? Because after all, he had no reason to assume that his shore would be goring. And really, me'ikar adin, he doesn't know Barry anything. But because Barry sustained the damage, we're going to give Andrew a knas. Okay? And we're going to say, you know what? Pay half. So is Andrew's half payment a concession to Barry or is it a concession to Andrew? Me'ikar adin, does Andrew really owe? owe oh, everything and it's a glass half empty or does he owe nothing and it's a glass half full? Is it a knas or is it mammon? Says the Gemara or if Papa Amar Mamona. Papa says, no, the really Andrew Maker didn't everything. Because when it comes to sure, yeah, you could say that your pit bull is, 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 is placid but nobody's surprised when he hits the baby, right? So, that, so similarly, right, Andrew's shore was always, it was always inevitable it was going to happen, and therefore Andrew should always be, uh, vigilant. It's not Macheskas Shimur. He has to know that it's a shore after all, and it's going to gore at some point, and therefore it is entirely Andrew's responsibility, and it's mammon. You really have to pay restitution to Barry. And so, fundamentally, he really should have to pay Barry everything. However, the Torah was, right, um, had, had um, Pity on Andrew and said, you know what, because you really didn't know and you had every reason to believe that this shore was placid, we're going to say only pay half, right? Because at that point, Andrew Shore had never gored before. Andrew thought it was the best shore in the world, such a cutie pie. Uh, not so much. But at the time, he thought so, and therefore, we're going to only make him pay half. That is a sheet of repapa. Rafuna Huna, Rav Yehuda, Rav Shuah, Amar Knaaser. says Andrew really doesn't have to pay anything. This chazi this chazi is actually a knas. The Kesavah Stam Shvarim becheskas Shimer Kaimi, right? Because he holds that really a placid shore they don't gore that much. Uvidinu de'lo l'shalam klal, and therefore really Andrew Miekar didn't shouldn't have to pay anything. linter the However, right, he was punished by the Torah by with a knas, right, requiring him to pay the chazi in order that Andrew should know, as a deterrent, that if anything happens, that he's gonna have to pay chatzinezek, and therefore he's gonna watch that shore more carefully, even though he doesn't own it at, he doesn't have to pay at all, so it's not. What did our Mishnah say? Our Mishnah says Somehow Barry and Andrew are somehow both participating together in the payment. Well, Well, that's only true if we think Andrew owes something, right? If Andrew really owes Barry money, so then Barry conceding half of that money to Andrew and they're sharing. So beautiful, you guys. The Achdus. So Hainu the Sheikhni Nizak right? It's only if you think that that a mamon is mammon, then both Ben Andrew and Barry are paying in. but if you hold, right, as uh, as Ravunberry Yeshua holds that Andrew doesn't really owe Barry anything, so then Andrew is really taking on the whole burden by himself, right? day but the may say, now that he Right now, that um, Barry is taking what's really not rightfully his, but can you really say, but me say, can you really say that Barry is participating? He's not participating in nothing. He's just taking Andrew's money. Andrew didn't really owe him anything. So, how's Barry participating? There is a form of participation that Barry does do, which is Barry has to pay for, the, as we discussed a few uh, days ago, for the depreciation of the nevela. That is on Barry. And it is in that way that Barry is going to participate. Again, our mission just said one cryptic statement. It just said both Barry and Andrew uh, pay in something. But when it comes to the actual fundamental payment, it's really all Andrew. If you hold that, then it's really only Andrew that's paying. And the Prasnavela is the part that Barry's paying in. says, Look at Prasnavela? Is that really true? That the mission here is teaching us Prasnavela? We already learned this whole Prasnavela. We were here, Phil was already here. For and we learned that it's Barry who has the whole Pachas Nevela. So that's what our Mishnah is trying to teach us? Like, our Mishnah already taught us that. So we say, yeah, Tashlumi Nezek, Milamid Benevela. We already learned from the, from the phrase Tashlumi Nezek that it is indeed Barry that has to deal with Pachas Nevela. So this is a redundant Mishnah. We don't need that Mishnah to teach us that now. So the Gemara answers no. We have to learn the idea that Barry has to deal with the Pachas Nevela, with the depreciation. In both cases, in the case of Atam and in the case of Mu'ad. utzricha, and you need to learn it twice. Why? The Because if the mission only learned it in the case where Andrew's shore was assumed to be placid, I would say, Yeah, that, you know what? We feel bad. Why should Andrew also pay the payment and also have to pay for the Pachas nevela? After all, really, he thought that his beautiful shore was a booby, and he didn't know, so let you know, so fine, i will pay the Chatzinezek, but let Barry at least deal with the Pachas Nevela. Yeah, but, if, but once um, Andrew Shore became notorious, so then of course he should have to pay the Pachas Nevela as well. So that's what we have to learn by Muad, okay? But yes, we mean by And if we had only learned that Barry has to pay the Nevela by Mud, yeah, we would say, you know what, because we feel bad for Andrew, because in the case of Muad, Andrew doesn't pay nezik; he pays Nezik Shalim. And therefore we say, you know what, Andrew's paying the full Nezik, let's Barry at least pick up the tab for the Prachnavela. Um uh, But if Andrew is paying nezik, maybe we would say, Yeah, you know, Andrew, pay nezik and also the Prachnavela, Sricha. And it's for that reason that we learned the idea that Barry is responsible for nezik twice. Once by the Tom and also once for the Muad. And in both cases, Barry, sorry to say, you pick up the bill for the, for the uh, depreciation of your Nevela. Okay? Fine. Now we're going to bring a series of Mishnahists to see if we can resolve this Machlokas with, right, Rav Papa um, and Ravuna Breda Yeshua. Is a Chatzinezek Knas or is it mama Let's see. Mishnah. Tashma. The Mishnah says, tomorrow, Shabbos is daf, Tazan medbez. You're going to be ahead of the game, Andrew. I, I, I'm leaving you so ahead of the game. Okay, so now you're going to know what this means. What's the difference between Tom and Moed? It's a very fundamental. And again, you see, nezekin is different than everything else. That means that when Andrew pays Chatzinezek, so if he had like a ratty little shore that was only worth like 50 bucks and he, and he, and he destroys Barry's regal shore that's worth $50,000, means the chatzin only comes from the value of Andrew's shore, that's capped at like twenty five bucks. You're not going to get much because his ratty shore that's that's a loss on you. His ratty shore that was a tom, right? Uh, only was the one that damaged you. So that's we're going to be capped. However, if it's a muad, once that ratty little pesky shore starts becoming habitual, so then he's going to claim an aliyah. I an mean, aliyah means that the real value, regardless of where it is, we're going to go into Andrew's assets and start paying Barry for that. So Namiha, okay, so wait a minute. So if, so what does that Mishnah seem to imply? Does that seem to imply that Nezek is a Knas or a, or a, man, or a Mammon? Well, now, if it's true that it's a the Knas, then let the Mishnah teach that difference as well. In other words, our Mishnah that we're gonna to learn tomorrow in Ted says that the only difference is that one is Megufa and the other is minalia Well, if one is knas and one is Mammon, because we know that nezek sham certainly is Mammon, so then the mission should have mentioned that as well. Tom ainu misham misham So, what uh, we should have said, Tom right, does not pay on on his own admission because after all, a mode uh, knas is potter and muad. If Andrew admitted, would be would pay because it's Mammon. So again, if one is Knas and the other is Mammon, that should have showed up in our Mishnah tomorrow. So the Gemara, no, ton of his shear. Yeah, that it is true that that is an additional difference between Tam and Muad, but our Mishnah left it out tomorrow. Wait, my shear, the high shear. Well, we have a principle, Phil, that whenever something has to be left out, there has to be at least one other thing. In other words, if there's only one thing that you're leaving out, so then you would have already said it. It's only when you have more than one thing that's left out <clears throat> that you say of v'shir. So says, the Gemara, shir, chati Yes, there is another difference between Tam and Muad, the idea of chati What's the chati Kofer? That when a Tam kills a person, the owner doesn't even pay chati Kofer. <laughs> Whereas in a Muad, he pays full kofer. So we see another difference between Muad and Tam. And is, therefore, we could say Tani Bashir. So we say, wait a minute. If you're going to say the chati is incomplete, wait a minute, so then, are we going to say that this whole thing is Yosef Lili? because it's only Yosef Lili the Amr Tam Shalom Chazi right? Because Yosef holds that Tam does pay Chazi Kofer, so therefore that wouldn't be a difference. So how is he going to read the Mishnah? Okay, so leave that out. We still don't have a proof that Chazi Nezek is or Mamon. Let's prove from another Mishnah. So Tashma Mishnah Ksuvas Mem Aleph. As we turn to Tezravim Bez. we have three full minutes to, to get to the Mishnah on Tezravim Bez. He says, "Hey, Mishori, it's plenty. Okay. This Mishnah says, a person says, my ox killed so-and-so. What is this guy doing? Andrew, he's a mode A mode should be putter. This is my mouth. We already learned this. But we didn't have the full understanding. This is why you have to learn shas over and over again. When we learned in Ksuvus, we didn't really understand the full import of it because we weren't holding by Nazikin. Okay, Andrew comes and he admits it. A mode b'knas should be putter. So he says, Him is shori ploni. Shori says the Mishnah um, that in, in Ksubas that Andrew pays, says the Gemara, la it, don't we have to say, in other words, isn't the Mishnah saying categorically that it doesn't matter whether Andrew's sure was a Tom or a muad, that when Andrew's knas he's punter. Well, no, no, it could be talking about a muad. So what would be the lach if he said it in the law? In other words, in the case of, right, Kisubis, we said that Andrew has to pay. So that makes it sound like it's mama. Right, but maybe it's not talking about a Tom. Maybe it's talking about a muad. Anyway, muad. We know that it's Mamun. So he says, so says, Aval tam mai. So what be the So Would you say in that case that he isn't mishalam? That if the case in ksubis is indeed a muad, would you say that if Andrew came and his sure was a Tom and he came and he admitted and came clean was a mother that he would not have to pay? So if so, that would not work out with the rest of the mishnah. Because it says in the, in the rest of the Mishnah of Ksubis, Right? If Andrew comes and he admits that his shore gored someone else's slave, he doesn't have to pay. The Mishnah should have to say that that case, where he doesn't have to pay al we could say, Right? In other words, the Mishnah in Kxuba should have been more explicit about the difference between Tom and Muad if we indeed hold that the case has to do, one is Muad and one is Tom, and the Tom is indeed a Knas. So the Gemara answers no. That whole Mishnah can only be talking about a Muad, which means that it's only talking about a Mamun. Okay, so that is again, we did not manage to make a proof from that Mishnah whether a Modiba Knas, whether a Tom is a Knas or not. So finally, Tashma, right? Zehaklaal. Right? So again, what's the case? We'd have a, a Mishnah that should illustrate the difference between and Muad, and it has to do with the main rule that Mishnah says that if you're paying different than what you actually owe, whether it's more or less, then it sounds like it's a Kness. Ah, so that is actually where we leave over here um, with a Tiyufta that we're going to have about this case, whether it's Kness. Or Mammon, I should just uh, give it away. We, in the end, we say the Hilchasa Palkaniska Knasa, but but that is a little more complicated. Uh, but the bottom line is that Tom is indeed, we agree with Papa that's a Knas. So we got you almost halfway down to base. Uh The rest should be uh, easy, Andrew. I almost got you to the Mishnah. Um, and so I, with that, I wish you all a very, very good Shabbos. Everybody, watch all of your oxes and may nobody suffer any damage in Kali Israel, this Shabbos, it should be a Shabbat Shalom for all of Kali Israel.